Hey, if you like me, love the Rust programming language, or you are just curious about how powerful this language actually is, let me tell you about RustConf on September 14. It's 100% online. There will be talks about language internals, the Rust compiler, programming optimization strategies, and to make it even more relevant to you, there will be talks about computer vision and other core machine learning algorithms in Rust. Register now on rustconf.com. You will find the link in the show notes of this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of uh, Amethyx Technologies, where we design and develop AI and machine learning solutions for commercial projects in several sectors, starting from fintech, healthcare and pharmaceutical, and uh, the energy sector, and much more. I'm really glad to have you on the show and uh, I invite you to visit the official website datascienceatom.com where you can find uh, usually references to the uh, in the show notes of each episode. Also feel free to pay a visit to our official Discord channel where you can find the rest of the gang and we speak about all things data science and machine learning in a very comfortable chat on Discord. Again, you can find a link to the channel on the official website datascienceatom.com. In uh, this episode, I would like to speak about some kind of uh, the latest finding or well, the latest uh, statement raised by uh, some scientists out there, uh, AI scientists, of course, about reinforcement learning and about artificial general intelligence. And so there is a massive debate about uh, artificial general intelligence that is the capability for a machine or an algorithm to uh, be truly intelligent and, you know, like just like a human being rather than uh, solving tasks that belong more to the field of narrow artificial intelligence, which means, you know, specialized tasks, for example, classifying images, classifying text, recognizing objects, etc. While in the in the flavor of artificial intelligence or in the field of artificial intelligence, well, general artificial intelligence, we would have an agent that is capable of uh, thinking just a you know a human being and adapting to the environment and uh, uh, thinking you know out of the box and learning new things, learning new tasks and finding new solutions, which is uh, what current artificial intelligence clearly cannot do. Now, the debate is pretty on fire since a few years now because there are different schools of thought uh, on the on the topic. Uh, there are some folks who say that, for example, deep learning is sufficient to reach um, or to build an, an artificial uh, general intelligence. There are some other folks, and by folks I mean scientists, who say that uh, quite the opposite, that's not possible. Um, and so that, for example, deep learning methods are very good function approximators, but actually uh, we cannot call them uh, artificial intelligence and definitely not uh, artificial general intelligence or AGI. There is, however, another branch of artificial intelligence which goes under the name of reinforcement learning that apparently, and uh, this is a statement from some deep mind scientists, is enough for general artificial intelligence. And this is kind of a strong statement though it makes sense to a certain extent. Uh, and so in this episode, I would like to, uh, first of all, clarify what do they actually mean with that statement, uh, and of course, give some of a personal opinion uh, by reading 
um, a massive amount of papers in the literature uh, in the last few years and also uh, very, very recently the last cutting-edge results uh, and findings in artificial intelligence and machine learning. So essentially, um, before getting into the details of this statement, uh, which is, you know, as strong as concise, you know, they say reinforcement learning is enough for general intelligence, which means that general artificial intelligence, which means that via reinforcement learning, there is the possibility to some extent to have an agent that can learn new tasks, that can find new solutions and can operate in the real world, essentially, because that's what an AGI, you know, is supposed to do. And so this method, this paradigm of computation, uh, of finding, you know, so-called maxim reward maximization, in fact, but more on that later, uh, is apparently, to the eyes of these deep mind scientists, enough. Now, there are, of course, also, with respect to this statement, there are, there is a, uh, you know, there are some other scientists who say that's actually not the case. Some others who say that, yeah, that could be. So, you know, there is always, you know, whatever statement we find on the news, uh, there's always a debate and there's always opposite opinions. So, what is reinforcement learning? Giving the entire definition of reinforcement learning in one episode when we are speaking about AGI and what is possible and what is not is uh, ambitious but definitely not possible. Um, so I will try to squeeze a bit and try to make as always this episode as self-contained as possible so that you can expand on this concept uh, if you need or if you if you want if you are curious enough you can find of course references in the show notes of this episode at datascienceathome.com. So back to reinforcement learning. Reinforcement learning is a paradigm of computation um, that essentially allows an agent to learn how to solve a particular problem, a problem that has to be defined in a particular way. So for example, you know, the, the classic example here is the, you know, the typical agent that goes around within an environment, think about a mouse that has to catch some um, some cheese. Uh, do mice eat cheese? I, actually, I, I've never seen a mouse eating cheese, but whatever. So imagine a mouse that goes around a maze and finds for cheese. Now, there is also a cat. You know, there are two agents, in fact, the cat and the mouse. The mouse has to catch the cheese without getting caught by the cat, and the cat has to uh, catch the mouse, right? Now, the maze, of course, has walls, and so there are some obstacles, and you, know, you can complicate the environment as much as you want. You can even add a dog, so the cat has some issues with the dog, or you can add a sink, so the cat or the mouse, the cat and the mouse, can fall in the sink. Um, you can add a mouse trap, so the mouse is also to uh, stay away from the trap. You know, you, you name it. I mean, th this environment can become really complicated, uh, as much as the real world, in fact. So, for the sake of expl explanation what reinforcement learning is, let's assume that we have one agent, uh, let's take the mouse or the cat, and the, the maze is, of course, the environment. Now, what reinforcement learning says is the agent can perform an action that will alter the environment, it will change the environment, and the environment will respond back to the agent with a new state 
the next state and the reward that identifies that encodes the you know how good or bad that action was uh, once performed in the environment so if you think about the the mouse moving uh, to the next position that would be you know it would alter the environment in the sense that the position of the mouse would have changed and the, the position with respect to the cheese would also have changed so in that case the environment has changed because the relative positions of the objects within the environment are cha have changed now this could also happen if the mouse could move for example objects within the environment and the positions of these objects would change as well so as you can see the action could be for example moving to another position going up down uh, left or right diagonal you can name you can have as many actions you want but essentially uh, the mouse at state t chooses an action randomly or in a more less random way we'll see that and this action will bring the mouse into another state in the environment and the environment will respond to the mouse with that was good or that was bad depending on where the mouse is where the cheese is uh, where the, the dog is and so on and so if we repeat this very simple concept and step in fact a, a number of times by trial and error uh, we would get to an agent that um, understands the environment and understands I'm quoting this word because it's quite you know generic understands under the specification of the environment and the set of actions of course not understands as a human and so uh, if by trial and error we keep playing this game of running away from the cat and catching them or getting closer to the to the cheese eventually the mouse will become so quote quote intelligent to solve the game and eventually win it almost all, all the time right uh, and so eat a lot of cheese now if we want to be a bit more detailed in the explanation of what reinforcement learning is i should definitely speak about the concept of policy so the policy is a function that maps states to the actions right um, and this policy is essentially a set of actions even in the in plain english the policy is kind of a plan that says if you are in a particular state and you perform a particular action you're gonna get back a particular value that is going to tell you if that action in that state was appropriate or not and you can have a number of these actions a line a chain of actions right or a set of actions that will bring you from a to b by simply performing these actions one by one that's what the policy is about now this policy of course can be learned or can be uh, stored in a lookup table uh, if of course the number of possible combinations that is state comma actions is you know approachable uh, but otherwise it can be approximated and it can be approximated with whatever machine learning model of your choice even neural networks that's also we are already mentioning something that is related to the field of deep reinforcement learning so if you have a neural networks uh, a neural network that allows you to uh, you know approximate uh, the policy 
the mapping, in fact, states to actions uh, with the neural network, then uh, we are, uh, you know, we are not storing all combinations or all possibilities uh, that might be, you know, quite a large number if you have a lot of states and a lot of actions, but we are approximating it uh, with a neural network or with any other machine learning model. There is another detail that I don't want to skip, uh, which is how the policy is usually trained. And uh, here there are several flavors. I'm being very generic here. Uh, there are, you know, the literature about reinforcement learning is quite large and quite rich. So uh, feel free to uh, Google the things that you need or refer to the show notes of this episode. But essentially, you can have on-policy reinforcement learning or off-policy reinforcement learning. So traditionally, the agent observes the state uh, of the environment and then takes you know, a certain action right, and performs that action. And this is usually based on a policy. Uh, the policy is identified with the, the Greek letter pi. So pi of A given S, that is the policy of the action given the state. Right? And then the agent collects the result, the reward, uh, and moves to the next state. That's how it works. Now, how that action is, you know, how that policy is calculated, it can be, uh, you know, the learning can happen on policy, right? Which means that the uh, experiences are collected using the latest learned policy, right? And then using that experience to improve the policy as, as we go, or learning can happen off policy, which means that the agent's experience is uh, buffered or is appended to a, to a buffer. It's also called the replay buffer. And each new policy collects additional data uh, and is calculated and actually recalculated on the buffer, right? So that buffer becomes some kind of the training set that will be used by usually a neural network or another um, you know, fancier model to learn the policy of the next time step. Hey, it may be beach weather outside, but for retailers, the holiday season has already begun. Did you know that 2021 holiday e-commerce sales are expected to exceed 2020 benchmarks? Are you prepared to capture every customer revenue opportunity? With Quantum Metric, you can be. Their unique approach to the digital customer experience helps today's top retailers and e-commerce brands quickly identify and prioritize the big and small revenue opportunities that keep customers engaged and coming back. Stay off the naughty list this holiday season by reducing customer friction, increasing conversions, and personalizing the shopping experience. Want a sneak peek? Visit their website at quantummetric.com slash podoffer and see if you qualify to receive their 12 days of insight offer with code data science. This offer gives you 12 day access to the platform coupled with a bespoke insight report that will help you identify where customers are struggling or engaging in your digital product. You will find the link in the show notes of this episode at datascienceatom.com. So these are usually the two ideas on policy and off policy reinforcement learning. Then, of course, there are many other flavors, somewhere in between or somewhere outside of these two 
paradigm of, uh, of policy learning. But essentially, that's it. You know, that's what reinforcement learning is, um, is capable of doing. Back to the statement of the DeepMind scientists, um, I think that the paper is definitely worth reading because what they say is, look, we realized that even by looking at the way we have evolved, you know, evolution in, in nature of natural intelligence, essentially this evolution, you know, has taken, of course, millions and millions of years uh, it has been freaking slow, but at the end, all these, you know, intelligent organisms, uh, in fact, have been trying and, and dying in all these generations, right? And this trial and error approach has been defined by some sort of reward function. That is, for example, survival. So that's even a more brutal reward function because the reward in, for the maze uh, example, for the mouse and cheese example, could be a number that you know is more is is a higher number if the mouse is closer to the cheese and you know can be kind of the the distance from the cheese, right? Proportional to the distance of the cheese, or inversely proportional. So the closer the mouse is to the cheese, the higher the reward, right? But in in nature, probably the reward has been something a bit more um, you know, brutal, which is if you are, if you, you know, bad reward is you die and good reward is you survive. This, you know, evolutionary theory of, uh, of, of natural organisms, in fact, is pretty much compatible with the concept of maximizing a reward. And this is, of course, a theory. There's nobody who can tell us, uh, you know, that's 100% correct. It's a theory that makes sense uh, and we are trying to apply this, you know, concept that we have theorized for uh, humans and for living organisms. Uh, we are trying to apply the same concepts to artificial organisms that we define intelligent, or we would like to be intelligent. Now, of course, there are so many other behaviors that, um, you know, living organisms have discovered or developed um, that are very complicated to be explained by a simple reward maximization strategy. And uh, there is a very fine example about squirrel that, you know, can only find food, you know, it finds nuts and, and, and stuff like that. The thing is that if it doesn't have a particular behavior, for example, the one that um, allows him to uh, store additional nuts mm, somewhere at the beginning in his, uh, in his mouth, uh, you know, have you seen the squirrel filling their mouth with a, a, a five, six, or ten uh, nuts? Uh, it's almost impossible to, to to fit. And then they also hide um, these nuts because they want to, you know, make sure that not, no other animal will steal them. So this behavior is a behavior that has allowed the squirrel to survive, for example, during, you know, period when food becomes scarce. And this is a very complex behavior uh, because there is a planning. It's not, you know, it's a, it's a reward that is very, very far with respect to time. So it's a not, it's not a, an immediate reward. Like I'm starving, I eat, and I get a, a positive reward. No, this is more like I'm planning for the end of the season or for the next season because I might die if there is scarcity. 
Um, and of course, human beings have even more powerful planning capabilities. And, uh, and this is also something that is quite hard to believe that reward maximization is the only reason that has brought us to you know, developing these amazing capabilities of the human brain. And indeed, there are other scientists that actually, uh, you know, claim that reward maximization should not be enough or cannot be enough because there are many other scenarios in which these agents or these living organisms have been, you know, living and experiencing the, the environment and the world. For example, taking into consideration uh, collective behavior, you know, the fact that some behaviors have been developed because of society, because of a community, right? Um, for example, the um, survival, and so as a positive reward from the environment, when the, all the mammals, uh, the female especially, protects their, their offspring. And this is something that, of course, we see definitely in humans, not so much anymore because you know we have a very developed society that protects this by you know laws and regulations which are very high concept of behavior but if you look at chimps for example or lions or elephants you know all the animal kingdom uh, these behaviors are still pretty much there even the ducks last week i was at the at the lakes and there were you know simple ducks they have an amazing and very complex behavior whenever you get close to the to their offsprings. Um, so, you know, these are behaviors that it's hard to explain with reward maximization theory. Accepting that reward maximization is the only, you know, way to develop very complex behavior, it's appealing to believe because it's simple to understand, but it's hard to accept in a way. At least that's what other scientists are saying. Now, still in the field of reinforcement learning, like the, the paradigm computation, with respect to collective behavior, um, there, is, there are also developments in that you know, direction with um, a multi-agent actor critic algorithms um, that allow agents to learn not just from the environment, as it is the case, you know, the traditional case in reinforcement learning, but also from the actions of other agents. And so this is kind of a way to, uh, you know, emulate what the living world has been doing or living organism has been doing for billions of years, learning from other agents or other animals or other, uh, yeah, I will call it agents for the sake of generalizing as much as I can. And so what you would find essentially in uh, you know if you have if you are imagining the schema of the reinforcement learning in which you have an agent and the environment and they interact with each other by the agent performing an action the action altering the environment and so bringing the agent into another state then the agent receives a reward etc etc well that action in the in the case of um, a multi-agent uh, actor critic model um, well, that action will affect also the reward of other agents. And so it's not just my own action that will alter the environment, but it's also the action of other agents around me eventually. With this approach, of course, that, is, that complicates things from a computational perspective 
much, much more. But with this approach, in fact, we can get closer and closer to that model that we believe has been the model for uh, you know, living organisms to develop very complex behavior and have, you know, so-called collective behavior, uh, building communities and having a reward that is not affecting the single agent anymore, but entire, the entire society or the entire community. Now, there is one observation from another scientist who is pretty much against what uh, deep mind scientists have been uh, admitting uh, in their last paper. Um, is uh, I'm referring to the author of uh, Algorithms Are Not Enough. I will report this reference as well in the show notes of this episode at datascienceatome.com. And um, he explains that, in fact, you know, think about reinforcement learning as the cause for, um, you know, developing complex behavior is, is actually quite wrong or quite incomplete, I would say, uh, due to the fact that with reinforcement learning, there are some assumptions that have to be done with regards to the reward function and the value function, right? Um, so there must be someone, usually an engineer, who defines uh, what reward is. And so how do we reward the agent in any particular state for every particular action? So in the case of a mouse and the cheese example, uh, that's pretty easy, as I said, you get, you know, the mouse gets a higher reward if it gets closer to the cheese or if it keeps a minimum distance from the mouse trap if there is a mouse trap, right? Or a combination of the two. So in this world, everything is uh, simple. And so it is very simple also to define how a reward function would look like. Still, I need to do it myself, right? So I need to inject this knowledge that is the reward function uh, in the system and then i will just run the algorithm that by trial and error and approximations will eventually converge to the optimal policy right but the system could not find that reward function by itself there is also the value function that assigns a particular value to a state of the environment or a particular action in a particular state, you know, these are mathematical functions that actually drive the convergence towards the optimal policy. And this is where, you know, most of the difficulties and the challenges are whenever you design a reinforcement learning algorithm, these are probably the, the top most critical components of the entire uh, model, because a reward function that is wrong uh, will probably never let the agent uh, converge to the optimal policy. And the same occurs for a value function that is uh, not well designed. And so the statement of um, uh, Reutblatt, the author of uh, Algorithms Are Not Enough, is that, well, reinforcement learning is okay, but uh, how do we deal with the fact that someone else uh, should inject reward functions and value functions for the system to work? Because that would mean that, you know, if that was the case, it would mean that even in the, in the living world, we should accept another entity was, you know, designed the reward function for us or for other living organisms. But here we are, you know, we are derailing from artificial intelligence and machine learning and you're probably stepping into philosophy or probably religion or whatever. 
So I'm not gonna go there. Uh, this is an open topic, as you can understand, and uh, it's definitely subject to interpretation. And these are theories. Um, there is no way to close the topic with a solution or with an, an explanation that can explain 100% everything with just one uh, reward maximization methodology. There are many other points to, that have been ignored uh, by DeepMind scientists. For example, uh, the fact that, uh, in my opinion, touch and uh, other sensory data should be part of, the, uh, of an intelligent organism. And so intelligent organisms don't uh, take decisions or intelligent decisions just by using their eyes. Uh, we use pretty much everything of our body when we are taking a decision. We just don't realize that because, you know, we are used to that. And this is my personal opinion. Uh, but there are a lot of sensors, if I can say, if I can call it like that, that are activated whenever we take a decision or whenever we think about a solution. Uh, there is body, uh, there is touch, there is feelings, there is... Uh, and then there is all the other, you know, un intangible things that happen in our brain. Uh, pain, pain is another one uh, that allow, or fear, um, pain and fear allow human beings to take decisions that uh, are kind of protecting themselves or uh, going on defense, you know, and this is also complex behavior. And uh, machines are definitely not even close to that type of complexity. So I think that and again, this is my personal opinion on the topic. I think that this is a clearly an oversimplification, though a very complex one with respect to what we had so far, but still very far from what, you know, it's supposed to be intelligent under the terms of, you know, human intelligence or superhuman intelligence, even less. Well, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the show and uh, uh, don't forget to jump on our Discord channel. You can find the link on our official website at datascienceatom.com. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to Data Science at Home podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.